Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, man, trying to avoid all this nutty, windy weather coming down from Canada affecting everybody's air quality so far. Yeah, certainly crazy. It's been a drab and dreary day here in the Green Mountains, that's for sure. Uh, A little more cheery right now in the Boston sports scene, at least when it comes to the Boston Celtics, although they're not playing right now. They did make a relatively good hire this week, bringing in Sam Cassell as an assistant coach there for Joe Missoula. I guess first and foremost, how important is it for you, you think, for the C's to have a veteran assistant, a guy who's been a coach, a guy who won titles as a player and has that cachet? I don't think you can measure, Brady, with existing technology how good of a move this is for the Boston Celtics. And I also believe they firmly have that kind of confidence in Joe Missoula to say, we put him in a tough position at the beginning of the year. And he was able to give this team back to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they were a bad, bad game away from getting to the NBA Finals for the second straight season. If they didn't have any confidence in him, then they would have completely just changed everything and brought in somebody else. And you wonder what kind of message would that have sent to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Brad Stevens has shown that he's not just going to make a knee-jerk reaction because a lot of people either inside the media or with the fan base want him to do. He brought in Joe Mazzullo as an assistant. He has confidence in him, but he knows that he needed some things to work on. And a big part of that is having a veteran assistant who can help him manage those minefields. They picked the perfect guy in the Sam Cassell, the Doc Rivers disciple. We know what Doc Rivers did as a Boston Celtics head coach. You could not have picked a better assistant, someone who knows the NBA inside and out, than Sam Cassell to help Joe Mazzulla. You know, I'm not saying this is going to be an issue. I don't know Joe Mazzulla. I don't know the Celtics players, and I don't know Sam Cassell. But I can at least wonder about this question. Sam Cassell brings with him a lot of experience, a lot of coaching experience, a lot of playing experience, and playing experience in Boston. How do they keep it keep the dynamic proper so that Joe Missoula is the leader and Sam Cassell doesn't overtake the operation, either by his own doing or by the players just naturally gravitating to him? Well, if you're the Boston Celtics, you clearly explain what Sam Cassell's role is going to be coming in. And I guarantee you Sam Cassell is one of the bright minds in basketball that he knows exactly what that role is going to be. But the kind of trampoline off what you had to say, let's say if they don't believe that Joe Mazzulla is the guy, now you've got a guy that's interviewed for head coaching opening, head coach openings in the NBA, and he knows exactly what that whole process is like. Sam Cassell is not going to come in and try to be that second-in-command, but he's the real boss behind, he, the real brains behind the operation. But that doesn't mean that you can't have his expertise in sort of a head coach in waiting that's not going to benefit your basketball team. And if guys gravitate towards him, if you're Joe Mazzulla, you're going to do the same thing because what he knows is something that you don't have right now as a coaching staff and players with that organization. So why would you not want to listen to what he has to say? Because when he brings something like that to the table, you'd be a fool not to pay attention to it and let your ego get in the way. If you are the Celtics now, do you bring in another guy like Sam Cassell and insulate Joe Missoula with as much help and as many voices as possible? Or at that point, you kind of risk too many cooks in the kitchen? No, you bring in another quality assistant where whoever you bring in that has that kind of experience, you're not worried about him trying to be an NBA head coach. And I think knowing the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens the way that we do, you know they've been able to survey that landscape. And if they don't go that route, Brady, then they'll bring in another assistant who may be a fourth assistant on a bench but is ready to move up but can't do that with that basketball team. Brad Stevens and that organization, they seem to be really, really good at knowing exactly what kind of assistance can we bring in to help out this situation. This way, Joe Mazzulla does not feel as if he's on an island. And 
learning with a trial by fire situation. That's what exactly what happened, even if they had the best record by the All-Star break in the NBA. Playoff basketball, as he found out, is a lot different than regular season basketball, making adjustments either before the game or on the fly. You're hoping that, as intelligent as Joe Mazzulla seems to be, that he learned something from that and that when those situations happen again, he's going to be a lot better. He's going to have people serving him a lot better, and everybody's going to benefit more than anything else before. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Let's move over to the Patriots. Patriots are on the field at OTAs this week. DeAndre Hopkins is not on any field right now. Now, I have waffled back and forth on whether or not the Patriots should go for Hopkins. You know, on one hand, he doesn't have a great relationship with Bill O'Brien. On the other hand, the Patriots need dudes like you've said. Where do you stand on Hopkins potentially to the Patriots, especially as his market doesn't seem to be materializing? Yeah, I think it'd be very silly if you're the Patriots not to at least kick the tires on him. And I don't think Bill O'Brien is going to be the kind of guy that's going to allow past events with him and DeAndre Hopkins to affect potentially helping your football team because no matter what went on at the end of the tenure involving both of those two, Bill O'Brien was a staunch supporter of Newt Hopkins. I don't know what happened the last year, year and a half of that relationship that allowed that to go sideways involving both of those men. But if you're the New England Patriots, especially more than ever before in that division where everybody seems to have a playmaker wide receiver and you don't have one, and even though New Hopkins is an older receiver, you bring him in, he's going to be better than any wide receiver you have right now. Defense will have to honor that. That helps your running game. That helps your tight ends. That helps other receivers to step up and get one-on-one coverage, and you hope that Mac Jones will be able to take advantage of those mismatches when those things happen. So I firmly believe, and we know how the Patriots operate, Brady, They've done their homework, and they've maybe kicked the tires in their way to see if Nuke Hopkins is going to work. And I'm with him in terms of the market, but normally in a situation like this, because of the timing that happened when he was released by the Arizona Cardinals, if you're a football team, it's probably in your best interest to wait until training camps get started, and then you can see exactly what is going to manifest itself. It's not going to take Nuke Hopkins very, very long to pick up an offense. They're going to put things in place for him that's going to make it very, very easy and very seamless to step on the football field and be ready right away or at least a lot sooner than later. So I guess I'm not surprised there's a cool market for him because we're still in the early stages of June. But I think that market is going to heat up a little bit as we get towards the end of June and right before training camps happen where teams have a better idea exactly if we bring in new Hopkins what can he do to make us a better football team? It was It's your buddy, Albert Breer. He's on Freddie and Fitzsimmons a lot, and we love him here too. He was talking recently about Bill Belichick and Mac Jones' relationship, and he said basically that they're not speaking. And he didn't make it sound malicious, but he said basically Bill Belichick is delegating to Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien is then delegating to Mac Jones. Is that mm-hmm. set up, am I supposed to read that as a good thing, or am I supposed to look at that a little sideways and say, why are my quarterback and head coach not talking? Well, I'll answer that question with this question. How many times did Tom Brady and Bill Belichick speak during their 20 years? I think they spoke a lot. Uh, compared, well, based on what I've heard, they would speak during game day, but during the week, that was Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien doing a lot of the conversation with Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick was doing other things. So hmm. I'm not going to say you shouldn't read too much into that because I know more than ever before you want your head coach, your quarterback, to have that kind of relationship. But realistically, who does Bill Belichick have a great relationship with when it comes to players? That's not him. It's never been him. He's not going to be Mr. Conversationalist with players if it's not involving football. And even if it is involving football, he's not going to have a lot of words he wants to say. So that's why Bill O'Brien was brought in. That's why Bill O'Brien is the offense coordinator, because he has to be in charge of the offense. Bill Belichick is going to have that final say. And Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, everybody knows that with the New England Patriots. 
But just because they're not speaking doesn't mean that they're not having communication. It just may be a different way of doing it. And that's why Bill O'Brien, I believe, is there as that buffer between Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Now, if this doesn't work, we know Bill Belichick has a final say and they move on from Mac Jones or maybe they don't feel he's the quarterback, then Bill Belichick will make that decision and not look back. But I'm not going to look into these two not speaking in the offseason. If they're not speaking as much in the regular season, then there may be a little cause for concern there, Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien as the buffer. The other thing I think you're right about, Freddie, to point out is, you know, we want our coaches and quarterbacks to have a great relationship. Well, I would venture at least in half the league, the head coach is also the offensive play caller. So they need to right. be joined at the hip. That is not the case in Foxborough. Yeah, and Bill Belichick, they, they sort of tried that last year, and it just was a disastrous ending. It was a disastrous beginning. It was a disaster in the middle of it. Bill Belichick knows football, offense, defense, special teams, the whole nine yards. He's forgotten more football than any human being on planet Earth is ever going to know or ever try to remember, so there's no doubt about that. But Bill Belichick has always been very, very rigid when it comes to this is the way we're going to do things, and we're going to do it this way until it doesn't work. He realized that if I believe in Mac Jones, i got to bring in somebody that can speak offense in 21st century football. And that's not to say Bill Belichick can't do that, but that's not what he does. That's not what he's ever done as an NFL head coach. And since he doesn't call plays offensively, no offensive football like that because he's a defensive mastermind, then you need to bring in somebody that can transfer whatever you want and how you want the kind of offense you want and make sure everybody can have that as equitable and can be digestible as much as possible, especially when many people still don't believe you have the right quarterback in Mac Jones going forward in New England. Freddie, I know you love Thanksgiving. It's a great holiday. I'm curious, do you have any immediate plans to take time off around Thanksgiving this year? We haven't gotten that far ahead yet. Oh, I haven't gotten that far ahead yet. I'm still trying to think of when I'm going to take time off during the summer when it comes <laughs> to stuff like that. So I leave. I, when Thanksgiving happens, that's when Thanksgiving happens. But usually I take a couple of days off and I spend time with family. But, yeah, right now I'm more concerned about July 4th and cookouts and getting these Quebec wildfire weather out of our systems here in New, the New England area. That's, I'm more concerned about that than Thanksgiving. Well, the reason why I ask is because the week before Thanksgiving this year, November 16th, 17th, 19th, the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Are you down to go with me? Watch a little UVM with Coastal Carolina, College Charleston, Furman, Liberty, oh. St. Louis, Wichita State, oh. and Wyoming. That's six to NCAA tournament teams in the last three years there out of that field. That's a good tournament for UVM. That tournament is always underrated because it always has great basketball teams or teams that want to be great, whether they're mid-major or major teams. There's always competitive action that always happens at the Myrtle Beach tournament, and they become that kind of where people talk about the Bahamas and that invitation, you understand that in other places. But more often than not, the best games are usually the last couple of years been at that tournament. So if you don't get ready or have your team ready for conference play after playing in that tournament, then you're not going to have a successful season. That can really not be a make-or-break tournament, but it can give coaches a pretty good idea, okay, where we are, how much farther do we have to get to where we want to be, or what do we have to do to make sure our season does not go south. Instead, we want that season to continue to be north. College of Charleston last year, a five-seed in the NCAA tournament. No, a 12-seed. I mean, I picked them to beat the five, mm -hmm. but uh, a very good program. Yeah. That's a good field there. So, Freddie, be well. We'll talk in seven days. Oh, it's a pleasure, brother, and make sure your health stays the way it's supposed to be with all this weather out there, okay? Absolutely. You too. Thank you, Freddie.